Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Okay, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Asha Daya. Um... It's an honor to have you here. I think that one of my clients sent me your TED Talk. Oh, wow. And that is how I found you, actually. Um, and she's probably listening because most of my clients do listen. <laughs> so thank you. Um, thank you for that connection. Um, I listened to the TED Talk and it felt like it really, your words really res. When was that, by the way? Actually, don't remember. That was end of 2018. So it feels like it oh, feels like a lifetime ago now. I know. I know. So even though it was new to me, that is work um, that you, I don't even know, in fact, if you're still speaking around that topic or working in that topic. Yeah. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself in whatever way feels right for today, for this audience. Um, and then we will just talk because I'm positive we're both going to have all kinds of delicious things to say. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Amanda, for having me on to your podcast today. I'm very honored to be in this space speaking to you and, and to anyone who's listening. I am a producer, a TEDx speaker, um, and I'm an author. I work primarily in the documentary space as a freelance producer. I'm also working on two abortion-related documentary projects. Mm. Um, I've done a TEDx talk about reframing reproductive rights in a way that goes beyond the binaries, which I know we're going to get into. Um, And I'm an author of a book called Today's Wonder Women, Everyday Superheroes Mm. Who Are Changing the World, which you can find on (laughs) Amazon and all good bookstores. Um, Mm -hmm. The book has 50... Um, women, girls, and femmes who are just doing incredibly badass things around the world, <laughs> mostly in North America. They are all diverse backgrounds. And the, the, the common thread among them is that they are everyday superheroes. They are people mm. in the community. And the idea is to really inspire everyday women, girls, and femmes to know that you can be your own su- superhero. You don't have to be wealthy or famous and you know, they're really inspiring. And one of the women I got to interview was Gloria Felt, who's the former CEO of Planned Parenthood. Mm. And one of the quotes that she has said in the book that just always sticks with me is we've got to, you know, when it comes to reproductive rights, it's, we've got to stop fighting back. It's time to fight forward. And so Mm. I always kind of keep that in mind for everything in life, but especially with this moment that we're in post Roe v. Wade and, beyond so that's me in a nutshell that's what I do and that's what I have put out in the world in terms of creative projects Mm, it's so so yummy thank you for being here in the world and showing up um I like to think of my audience as using um their abortion as a catalyst to become wonder women or become more of their wonder women self right it's like yeah 
it's, you know, our abortions happen to us um, for all kinds of reasons. It's not something we can go back and change. So how do we like excavate it and find the tools in, a, in it that, that made us stronger, the stories in it that um, serve us? So I love that. I'm going to definitely go find your book after Thank this. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay. Well, here we are. And I think I said this on the last or recent podcast recording, like every episode since the overturn of Roe feels like a little bit different than it did before. And, you know, you're somewhere in the 150s. This will get released. So I've been doing this for a long time. But I love this idea of fighting forward. So since we are here, we are recording this post the overturn of Roe. Um, what, like two and a half weeks? Yeah. I have no sense of time. I know. What is time? <laughs> but about two and a half weeks, we'll say, um, how do you think we fight forward at this point? Um, what does that mean to you? that it meant differently when you first heard Gloria speak those words? Oh, that's a loaded question. And I by no means position myself as the expert. I learn from the experts in the reproductive justice movement specifically. Um, I think the short answer is listen to black women and we should always <laughs> listen to black women, Shocking. black and brown women and marginalized women because you know, if we're not taking care of the most vulnerable, then who are we taking care of? Um, yeah. I think the long answer is we're still learning, you know, how we fight forward and it's going to change day to day, state to state, um, depending on who you are, what your capabilities are, what your resources are. So I think it's a matter of, you know, taking a breath, seeing where we are in the moment, you know, obviously organizations like the ACLU are straight into the fight. They're taking out yeah. lawsuits. They're, you know, coming yeah. out against state legislatures who are trying to ban um, abortion and introduce these ridiculous fetal personhood laws that will take away rights from um, a person with a uterus. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really interesting to see the the immediate fight that's going on. And I think the more we kind of observe and see what's happening obviously the midterms are coming up it will become clear clearer to us as individuals what is our way to fight forward because there's the individual fight and then there's the collective fight mm. you know the collective fight might be well we've got to vote well it's got to be more than that we've got to pressure <laughs> our legislators who are already in power you know why aren't they doing more why did it take the president so long just to do the actions that he's doing now where That's exactly you know, what I was thinking about when I said activists, two and a half weeks <laughs> right and activists have been and even more than two and a half weeks the leaked memo oh, came exactly out right it's April like what eight right. weeks and, I don't even know yeah and leaders in this movement reporters activists people yeah. who work at clinics doctors they have seen the writing on the wall for around 10 years totally. if you read people like Jessica um Jessica Mason Piccolo, who's from Rewire. If you read people like Robin Marty, if you follow people like Renee Bracy Sherman, they saw the writing on the wall mm -hmm. and they've been organizing and strategizing on a local level, on a state level, because, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise, but for some people it is. So now I think it's a matter of, all right, we are where we are. How do we go forward to protect um, reproductive freedom and dignity? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it depends on, on which state you live in, you know, in California, mm-hmm. the fight is going to be de- very different to what it is in Texas. So, and one of the, th- one of the key bits of advice I will give that I have really taken on board is, you know, not to, there's, there's no need to start your own organization. Yes. There are so many brilliant organizations out there yeah. who have been doing the work, join them, support them, amplify them, yeah. um, and, you know, donate where, if you can, um, where the resources and money uh, is needed the most. So there are definitely organizations already on the ground doing things. And that that's a way that we can, can, you know, start to fight forward and feel like we're in the fight before figuring out what is it we want to do long-term. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an important message. Um, join, amplify, follow, listen. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. The, the movement has been happening. It just may be new to you that you're seeing it. Like right. there are so many people who've been preparing for this for a very long time. Um, and they are the ones that, that we learn from and follow at this point. Um, okay, so I have a question regarding your TED Talk that part of me wants like personal validation which I feel very inappropriate even saying out loud do it do it you said it out loud you said it (laughs) oh yeah I say it all out loud and then part of me knows deep down the answer to but what drew me to you so much is that I feel like the essence of my work and I have only been really paying attention to the world of abortion since my own five years ago, um, which in the long term of my life and my legacy, five years is nothing, (laughs) but it's been enough time, right? Um, And I have really always felt and spoke, spoken, shared this message of our healing, our growth, our fight, like I'm air quoting, but you can't see me, is in stepping away from the binaries. It's stepping mm-hmm. away from the traditional messages of pro-choice versus pro-life, anti-abortion versus pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not because there is not important things being said in, in both those places, I would even say, (laughs) or Mm. things we should pay attention to, I will say in both those places, but because I think there are so many, there's so many more. Does that make sense? I'm just going to keep going with it. So many more of us in the middle, there are so many of us between those places of Abortionist healthcare, it's yeah. not a baby. It's, I mean, in most cases, it's, you wouldn't define it as a baby. It's just tissue. We just remove it and we move on with our lives versus like abortion is murder. You're mm-hmm. taking away God's will at right. human, like, right? I just think there's, I think that where our power really is, is embracing all of it and like all that place in the middle the nuance the messiness the um the feelings of what it really means complex yes the complexity and so I think that 
continuing to share that message of what's in the middle here. Like what's the complexity that that is where we're going to really gain power and that what, what we've done and used and, and shouted, I'm going to use the word shouted before is not going to work for where we want to go now. Um, so again, part of this is me just like saying my own shit out loud to validate it for myself, but my fear and the reason I'm saying this out loud to you as a witness is, is now not the time for that. Like, do we have the freedom in the space right now to talk about the complexity, Mm. the place that I think is the most powerful, or is it too scary and volatile right now to talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question. And I'm I'm glad you asked that. And I think it now is the time. Absolutely. It has been the time for a long time and it should have been the time, you know, before Trump got elected and, and who, you know, before he was allowed to nominate these Supreme Court judges that, you know, that led us to where we are today. I think binaries, do not do anyone favors. And when it comes to abortion, honestly, those binaries and those labels are for political purposes only. And that's something I've really in mind because the the label pro-choice, the label pro-life is they are both very narrow and they indicate a political fight. It's what Mm -hmm. political candidates use for support, for campaigning, for votes, for you know, all their, the work that they're doing for good or for bad. And there's plenty of bad. Um, So I think, you know, when, when you look at a movement like reproductive justice, it really widens the scope of things. It really makes you realize this is about more than just whether you have the right or not to have an abortion. It really is about what kind of freedom and dignity do we afford a person over their body, you know, bodily autonomy, um, autonomous rights to make the best decisions for your life and your body. And reproductive justice really does that. It, it comes down to the idea that you should have the right to parent or not parent with safety and support. Um, and it's a, a justice-driven movement founded by Black women in the early 90s as a response to Um, the Clinton administration who didn't go far enough to protect the rights of black and brown and marginalized women when it came to reproductive rights. So they were like, we need to go beyond just birth control and abortion and rights and the fight at the courts. It needs to be a holistic view of Mm -hmm. how we view our communities. So now when you look at the reproductive justice movement and the more you see intersectional issues, you realize that Climate change is a reproductive justice issue. Gun violence is a reproductive justice issue. Maternal mortality. We have the highest rate in the developing world, disproportionately impacting black and brown women. Rates have risen in recent years and COVID has made that worse. Why isn't that a banner issue for, you know, the quote unquote pro-life movement? You know, these are women dying, preventable. 50% of these um, maternal mortality deaths are preventable. So racism is an intersectional issue. So once you start to realize it is actually a big ecosystem and abortion is just one aspect of that, it allows us to see the nuance and the complexity. And 
get it away from the binaries and realize that people's lives are complicated. You know, I've got friends, well, a little bit about my background. If you haven't seen the TED, TEDx talk yet, I come from a conservative evangelical background where it was all the typical things you hear, you know, you vote Republican, abortion is murder, all this kind of stuff, sex before uh, marriage is a sin, yada, yada, yada. P.S. Side note, everyone was doing it. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, when you, when you, so getting out of that mindset, once you, once I moved away from that church, I realized that actually it's much more complex than just standing on a stage and saying, vote pro-life. We are pro-life because we're Christian and don't have an abortion. There were so many women in that church who I know personally, who have come to me in secret and have told me that they've had abortions. Um, and so there's, it, it's not just like, oh, I, this is my lane. This is my label. I'm going to stick to it. It doesn't always happen. I've had friends say to me, oh, well, I would never get an abortion. If I was raped, I would never get an abortion. And the first thing I said to her was, well, how do you know? You've never been in that situation. And it's like, it's easy to say, I'm going to do this definitively. But uh, one of the women that I'm connected to on Twitter, her name is Robin Marty. She runs a clinic in Alabama and she also works for the Yellowhammer Fund. She's mm. an amazing person to follow. She's mm. a journalist as well. She recently tweeted that basically their clinic would not be open until, you know, recently Roe v. Wade being overturned. Their clinic would not have survived if it weren't for conservative, religious, anti-abortion women coming to get abortions. So if that gives you an idea that the binaries don't work, I I don't know what does because Mm. it's, it really should be, it really comes down to individual people have individual lives that are complex and need the room and space to make the best decision in a moment that no legislator in Washington or at a state legislature house can decide from their bench. You know, there's just no way a law can fully encompass all the things that could potentially go wrong, whether it's a wanted pregnancy or not. So, you know, for me, it's just, it becomes more and more clear every day that binaries don't work. Reproductive justice is an imperative and we can't stop fighting, you know, and regardless of whatever you feel about abortion, you know, often I think about people who say, well, I personally wouldn't get um, an abortion, uh, but I'm also not going to legislate other people's decisions. So it's like, yeah, why are we legislating based on people's opinions or religious beliefs? Like that's yeah. not how we should live, you know, allow the law to give room to people to make those decisions for themselves. So that's kind mm. of how I see it. I love it. I love you. I love all of it. Um, when I think of reproductive justice organizations, like Sister Song is always like the number mm. one that comes to my yeah. mind. Um, and just hearing you say like, you know, the early nineties, that's 30 years ago, like this beautiful definition that black women gave us that so clearly states in like what three sentences, a a small paragraph where our work is, has been there. It's sitting there for us to be guided by. And we have been overlooking it for these labels, for the slogans offered to us by politics. Right. Um, 
What are some of your other favorite organizations? You've already dropped a whole bunch of great like names and and things, but what else sticks out to you beyond Sister Song? Um, Black Mamas Matter Alliance is a great coalition, mm-hmm. um, which includes Sister Song, and there are a number of doula organizations, birth supporting organizations, organizations that support um, undocumented and documented immigrants. Um, women below the poverty line, uh, Latina, uh, Indigenous and Black women and and people who need help that have kind of fallen through the cracks and are left behind by the mainstream healthcare system. So Black Mamas Matter Alliance is a great place to start. Mm. Uh, And they've got about 20 organisations, part of them, that you can look on their website and support. Um, They're really, really great. I think we testify is a really really important organization shout your abortion they are both of those organizations are abortion storytelling um coalitions and organizations and the reason why they are becoming more and more prominent is because i personally think uh, and maybe i'm not alone in this that story abortion storytelling you know podcasts like this and people like you amanda sharing your story is the most powerful way to break through the misinformation, the lies, the manipulation, the, frankly, just the harm that the anti-choice movement has been able to do over the last few decades. Um, you know, because they've, because of their lies and misinformation and the minority being such a loud, forceful, well-funded noise in, mm-hmm. in state legislatures, it has worked to silence people and keep them in shame, fear, and judgment of sharing their stories out loud. So once one person shares their truth, shares their story in all of its complexity and humanity, then it helps another person speak up and another. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, there are more people who are willing to speak up than, than, you know, the opposition would make you realize. So I think that's really important. And you said something earlier about, um, you know, more uh, something about the majority and needing to speak up. And, you know, polls have showed in recent years consistently that the majority of Americans support or supported Roe v. Wade, but it's not that majority that has been the loudest or the most powerful um, where it mattered, unfortunately, in the Supreme Court or in Congress. So now I think is really the time to, if you feel so inclined and if it feels like the right thing for you to speak up and you know amplify and share whether it's on social media in a podcast in a blog on a stage in your church and the other thing I want to mention is that the idea because I'm from a conservative religious background the idea that being religious is synonymous with being anti-abortion is such a fallacy Mm. and in fact this country has a very rich and long and storied tradition of faith leaders being on the forefront of helping women access safe abortion when it was illegal. If you look up the clergy consultation service, it was an interfaith group that would help uh, women find doctors that were safe, that were vetted and, you know, help them get the care that they need. And they believed it was a moral imperative. And so today I'm part of an organization. I'm on the board of the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Mm. Choice and they Beautiful. are carrying on that tradition. They've been around since, or we've been around since 1967. And so they've been doing this work since before Roe, when Roe was around, and now, you know, we're still here post-Roe, sadly. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really important for people of faith, especially like myself who come from that background, 
and want to speak about abortion and reproductive justice and freedom, that you have a whole plethora of organizations and people and, um, you know, a majority that are willing to support you and, and make you realize that being religious does not mean you have to fit into this binary. So that's something that we're working to push back on um, in a number of different yeah, ways. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because again, like if you're a person of faith who feels like I have to do that, I have to figure this out. There are so many people who've already figured this out. There are already organizations, right. Catholics for choice, read the, the organization you work National for. Council for Jewish women yes. is another one. But like it's out there. It's yeah. if you want to understand how your faith, how your belief in, um, in God, in spirit, in whatever it is, can integrate with reproductive justice, like it's the work is done, just just start looking and you will find it. Um, yeah. Don't have to, you don't have to get out your Bible or your book and start figuring it out on your own, like listen and, and see and and be a part of what's already happening. Um, I agree with you about story. I even notice, obviously I'm, I'm in this work every day. I talk about it all the time. Um, and a local photographer, Anya shoots did a project recently here. You can find it on her page and I'll link to it. Um, with a whole bunch of us in, in the local area wearing very specific white t-shirts with messages on them and then sharing, you know, why we decided to participate in the project. And I noticed the reason oh, I'm telling this story because it's a great project, but also I noticed the power of seeing the people in my community tell yeah. their story. Right. And she will probably keep expanding this project, but like, seeing the people you hear on the radio, the people you see at the restaurant you go to, the people you know are on the school board, share their story or their support of your story is deeply powerful stuff. Yes, It is mind-blowing. And so the question that pops into my mind for anyone listening who wants to, to share more is, what do you need? in order to free your voice, in order to free your story? Like what healing do you need to, to do to free the, you know, that part of you from hiding? Um, is it work around shame? Is it work around guilt? Is it work around fear or grief? Is it just mm. that you haven't grieved whatever stories you've been right. through? Um, and so that, that's the work I hope that I speak to in my, in my writing and my showing up in my podcasting is like, whatever you need, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. So you can be free. And when you're free, we all start loosening and breaking down and, you know, and being able to rise together. Yeah. And the, re the resource that you're creating for so many people to share is so powerful and important. And there are others out there as well. If so many people are looking, Exhale Pro Voice is one. Uh, RCRC has just launched um, a spiritual accompaniment branch from our organization called Abortions Welcome, where people can find spiritual healing and mantras and mm -hmm. meditations and just that support um, and interfaith um, support resource 
for people who have, you know, want a space to go to, to share their complex feelings and find solidarity. And so that, you know, I think those resources are really important to share. Um, Yeah. And most of these things we've talked about are linked on my website. If you go to my website, you'll find links to, to most of these things we've talked about and I'll, I'll keep adding and keep sharing. Um, But I think the more times we can say like what you're looking for is out there yeah. Uh, just open yourself to finding it and receiving it like the more people will hear that message and and show up for themselves and for each other um anything you came today wanting to say or haven't said or you feel like just in me asking the question you know someone is is begging to hear from your mouth <laughs> I guess the thing that I want to say and I should you know, preface it by saying that I, I haven't personally had an abortion. I am a mother of two. Um, I think because of my background, leaving the conservative evangelical world and my work as a producer and storyteller in film and documentary, for me, I want to use my experiences as a way to amplify other people and the message and use that as a way to further fight forward. Um, for me, it's, I, I want people to know that your story is yours and yours alone and you are more powerful than you think we can easily get inside our heads Um, whether it's about our abortion story or anything in our lives it's easy to just feel like but I'm one person no one's going to listen to me these people over here are I know what they're going to say so I'm definitely not going to speak up because I don't want to risk that confrontation Um, but I think there is a lot of freedom in pushing through that when we feel the time is right and when we feel supported. So yeah, I just want to want people to know that your story is powerful and it's important and someone else out there needs to hear it. Um, You know, when you feel ready to share it, it's why I am, why I do documentary work because I think films have a really powerful way of cutting through the noise more so than a political rally or, Mm -hmm. you know, reading a textbook or, you know, I think films really have a, a unique ability to change people's minds and shift our perspectives in a way that we had never thought of before. Um, so yeah, I think story storytelling can really, really changes the world. And I, I want people to know that don't, don't ever feel insignificant. Yeah. Agreed. And how do we follow you so that we can be among the first to see your documentaries and um, keep following your work? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is the best way to find all the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, com. I host a monthly podcast for the Repro Film Fest organization. I interview filmmakers and activists who are working on projects or who have released projects that cover a range of reproductive rights and justice topics, including maternal mortality, abortion, um, birth, um, endometriosis was another topic we covered. Um, on my website, you can also find the link to my landing slash fiscal sponsor page for my short documentary. My short documentary is called Someone You Know. Mm. It's going to be 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it features three women, three uh, women in North America who have had later abortions. Um, and they're sharing their story in a way to destigmatize and to break through all the ugly rhetoric around later abortion Mm. Um, and they are bravely sharing their full names their faces and all of their stories and it's using a lot of animation so I'm currently in post-production 
raising money for that. Um, so you can check out that link on ashadaya.com. Um, and where else? You can also check out, you find me on um, Instagram and Twitter, just at ashadaya. Beautiful. And that's D-A-H-Y-A. That's it. Yep. Thank you so much for sharing your voice with us and continuing to do your work in the world. Um, this has been just lovely and you are definitely a light in this complex, <laughs> sometimes dark feeling um, world. Well, I was going to say the exact same thing about you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and having these really beautiful conversations. So thank you. Have a great week, everybody, and we will be back with the next guest. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.